Why, hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. It is the third hour of the program. I am delighted to have you with me. The phone number, if you want to call in, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Let's talk about TikTok. Now, I need you to know something very important. I am in my mid-40s. I am married with kids. I should not be on TikTok, and I am not. Like Snapchat, no married man in America has any business being on Snapchat. If they are, they're probably a pervert. Maybe not, but I'm being definitive here. Don't call us, well, I'm married and I'm on Snapchat. I don't care. You shouldn't be. You got a wife and kids. You don't need to be unless you're like you got millennial or or Gen Zers in your house and they only communicate through Snapchat. Then, okay, you can be on Snapchat if that's your excuse. But you're on there as a married dude and and you're seeing stuff. You should. I'm I'm not on TikTok. Nobody wants to see me do a dance for the camera anyway. When I dance, Richter scales go off. You just you you don't want to see it. It's bad. I mean, they they call nine one one. They think I'm having an epileptic fit if I try to if I try to dance. It's, it's you don't want to see it. It's bad. I have no business being on TikTok. I am on Instagram. I was one of those people who got a blue check mark on Instagram early. In fact, at my kids' school, I'm super famous because I'm the only one they know with a blue check mark on Instagram. It's hard to get a blue check mark on Instagram. Instagram is actually my favorite social media site because I just put up pictures, stuff I'm cooking, stuff I'm doing, cigars I'm smoking, places I've been, places I'm going. I like Instagram. It's a way to connect to people. In fact, I went to dinner last night uh, with uh, Vince, who is a home builder in Atlanta, who I got to know him on Instagram. I liked his work. He listens to the show. We started interacting. In fact, almost every dinner I have been to in the last three months has been with people I met off Instagram. I don't mind going out to – now, I got to tell you, management would prefer if I stopped going to dinner with people I meet on Instagram. But, you know, I, I'm not meeting women on Instagram and going to dinner. It's just guys. I, I, I am increasingly mindful of how men in particular, particularly people around my age, isolate. They get families, and they feel obligated to be home 24-7, and they don't have any sort of social outlet whatsoever, maybe the golf course on occasion – I'm like, yes, I, I need to get out of the house on occasion as well. I work out of my house. I'm at my house 20 hours a day. Sometimes I need to get out of the house too. That's why on Sunday nights I invite friends over and we sit on the front porch and hang out and watch football and eat my world-famous fried shrimp tacos. You need an outlet, but not Tic Tac. Did I say Tic Tac? Tic Tac Toe, Tic Tac. You don't need it. You know, it's a Chinese surveillance site is ultimately what Tic Tac is. The Chinese have never divested their interests. They are building profiles, facial recognition profiles of your faces, of your children. They're tracking you around the world. It's not a conspiracy theory either. They're pretty open about it. The Chinese consulate, according to the Washington Free Beacon, the Chinese consulate in New York City hired the public relations firm Vipi Media to run an influencer campaign, according to disclosures, Filed at the Justice Department under the federal or the Foreign Agent Registration Act, three hundred thousand dollars. Vippy Media is hiring Instagrammers, TikTokers, and Twitch users to tout the Olympics in Beijing and promote U.S.-Chinese cooperation on issues like climate change. The firm's founder, Vip Jaswell, told the Washington Free Beacon 
He has not yet chosen the influencers to be used for the campaign. China is waging the social media blitz amid growing threats to boycott the games. The U.S., Canada, and Australia this month announced a diplomatic boycott over China's human rights abuses and the recent disappearances of a Chinese tennis star who cured a Communist Party official of rape. Human rights groups have asked NBC and other TV broadcasters not to air the Olympics that begin February 4th. American companies, Coca-Cola, Visa, Intel, and others are facing pressure to pull out of sponsorship deals for the games. Jaswell opposes the boycott, which she says would have no impact on Chinese behavior and would only aggravate Beijing. Who cares what Beijing wants? The Chinese communists, and you can't separate the two. The Chinese are run by a communist party. They are hiring American social media influencers to try to pretend that all is well, to try to beef up the Olympics. I'm kind of rapidly getting to the conclusion that we need a real boycott of the Olympics. And here's why. The Chinese right now know that no one's going to stand up to them. The Chinese are around the world bullying other countries, giving uh, contracts to countries that put them in debt to China and make it possible for the Chinese to take over parts of their land. They continue to do this. The Chinese, did you know the Chinese are putting a military naval base in Equatorial Guinea? For those of you who do not know, Equatorial Guinea is an African nation that sits on the Atlantic Ocean. It will be the first naval base for China. There are rumors afoot in the Commonwealth, that is the Commonwealth of Queen Elizabeth II, that Barbados withdrew from the Commonwealth. Well, they didn't really withdraw from the Commonwealth. They just told Liz to pack it up and go home. They want to be a republic. There are rumors that Xi Jinping, the Chinese president, is talking to Barbados about putting a naval base in Barbados. They're credible rumors from the intelligence community. He wants to have a naval base in the Gulf of Mexico, in the Caribbean. He's expansionist, and no one's standing up to him. These TikTokers and influencers aren't going to stand up to him. We should probably find them and identify them. Anyone who praises the Olympics, there, there's a question mark now. Are you working on behalf of China? Are you disclosing it? Because, you know, the Federal Trade Commission expects you. This is the craziest damn thing. If I put up a picture of I'm having burger night at my house and I'm cooking Omaha steaks, I have to note that Omaha Steaks is an advertiser to this radio program. Even if I would do it anyway, I got to note that they're an advertiser. The Federal Trade Commission would come after me if I didn't. I have in the past run into pro – so one of the things that I like to do is if I found a good or a service that I really like, if I find clothing that I really like, I put it on Instagram and say, hey, I found this clothing. You might like it. Or I, I found this thing, I found this knife, I found this kitchenware, I found this food, I like it, maybe you will too. I've had people file FTC complaints against me, convinced that I was being paid by the company. And I got to send a letter and say, I have taken no income and have no business relationship with this company. People come after you now, they presume you're doing it. The question is, will these social media influencers, because I got to tell you, I was asked to be a part of a campaign where they did not want me to disclose it. And I said, no, they wanted me to claim to be a user of a product. And I said, no, 
because I don't use the product. I don't want to use the product. Frankly, I think the product is a scam. I didn't want them advertising on my radio show. One of the things they wanted me to do was just put up pictures acting like I'm using the product. I'm not using your your. Ooh, I nearly said the name. I better not. But I'm not. And, and they didn't want me to advertise it, which is deeply unethical. It's deeply problematic. You can't do that. Will these social media influencers be doing, hey, the Beijing Olympics are on. It's awesome. Hashtag ad. Hashtag I'm getting Chinese blood money. Will they do it? The consulate contract from the Chinese consulate with Vippy calls for the company to hire eight social media influencers to produce at least 24 posts about the Olympics. Beijing's history and relations between the United States and China, 20% of the content should focus on cooperation and any good things in U.S.-Chinese relations. China's taken other measures to support the Games, according to the Free Beacon. Chinese Vice Foreign Minister Xi Feng earlier this month urged American executives to make a positive contribution to the Games, the Washington Post reported. Xi asserted that a boycott harms the interests of athletes, violates the shared ideals and aspirations of the international society, and is unpopular. You know what? I would submit to you a boycott of the Olympics is unpopular. But there are a lot of things one must do that are unpopular in leadership. The Chinese are literally running concentration camps. The Chinese are literally engaged in the extermination of a people. The Chinese are literally bulldozing churches, mosques, and synagogues. The Chinese are literally stamping out newspapers that dissent from the Communist Party ideology. And then there's the tennis player. No one's seen her. Everything has been orchestrated. She accused one of the top Communist Party officials of raping her. Within six hours, you could not find any reference to it on social media in China, and she disappeared, except for an awkwardly staged dinner with the head of the Chinese Tennis Association where he very awkwardly referenced what the date was at a tournament coming up the next day. She was trotted out at a kid's tennis event the next day for everyone to see her. Only the International Olympic Committee fell for it. Only the IOC had their concerns assuaged by the Chinese. What's that guy's name? What is it? Because I can say it and not get in trouble on radio. Um, oh, what is it? Um, um, you know, it's yes, 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 yes. You know, this poor dude was beat up when he was a kid. Olympic Committee Vice President Dick Pound said that they were all perfectly happy with Peng Shui and the Chinese and that there was there was no problem whatsoever. You know, that the Olympic Committee itself is a corrupt institution, and it has been for decades. I mean, they literally orchestrated an event with this, this young lady. And Dick Pound from the Olympics comes out and says, oh, yeah, we're all fine with it. The Women's Tennis Association, the global Women's Tennis Association said, nope, not us. We're not satisfied at all. We can't even lay eyes on her and talk to her privately. They won't let her out of the country. 
We're not doing any more tennis tournaments there. The Women's Tennis Association has more gumption and ethical standards than the Olympic Committee. There is no reason for the United States to be propping up a corrupt Olympic regime, let alone a corrupt Chinese regime, and give them what they want, a PR stunt that they are now a global superpower. They will design their entire operations for the Olympics to highlight the fact that they are our equal. And again, decline is a choice. Decline is a choice. We should be declining any of us to go to the Olympics, not just our politicians, not just the diplomatic corps. But Joe Biden should say, nope, we're not going to do it. Not going to do it. Now, here's the reason he doesn't want to do this. He, I think, suspects, and I know members of his administration think it's probably the right thing to do. But when was the last time we boycotted anything? Jimmy Carter. Yeah. He doesn't want any comparisons to Jimmy Carter. There are enough comparisons to Jimmy Carter for Joe Biden for the rest of his life, however long that may be. You don't want to be compared anymore to Jimmy Carter. You boycott the Olympics. You're just Jimmy Carter 2.0, so he didn't want that, even if it's the right thing to do. And by the way, it was the right thing for Jimmy Carter to do as well. It was. And we should be rewarding our politicians for taking tough stances that are the right thing to do. It is by on a bipartisan basis now, progressives, liberals, moderates, conservatives, everybody realizes China is a growing threat, not just to this nation, but to the Western order, to the liberal democracies of the world, China is a threat. They have spirited away a young Chinese tennis player and deleted her from the Internet because she accused a Chinese party official of rape. And only the International Olympic Committee says it's all hunky-dory. That's unacceptable. It's inexcusable. And now the Chinese want to hire American TikTok influencers to tell everybody it's all roses. It's not. And we shouldn't fall for it. And we should call out the social media influencers who are willing to take the blood money of China to try to claim it's all okay. Well. I got more breaking news. So, you know, in Washington, I guess I should I should say, welcome back. It's Eric Erickson. It's my show. You can call in 877-973-7425. Okay. Now, there are these email newsletters in Washington, D.C. The, the playbook is, well, actually, you know, historically, Rick Klein and, oh, I forget who the other guy was at, at ABC News, they started – a note called The Note. In 2004, it was the big thing. The Note was a daily compendium of things happening in politics, some of it original reporting, a lot of it linking to other things that everyone who was in politics at the time digested every single day. There was a precursor to it that still exists called The Hotline. And the hotline from National Journal comes out at noon every day, and it is a compendium of all the major federal political information, gubernatorial information, who's running, who's not, what the fundraising is, uh, who's hiring who, uh, who, what are the big issues, all this sort of stuff. The note kind of gave an overview of the presidential campaign cycle, which the hotline didn't do. And from that sparked a host of other competing newsletters. Meet the Press has one, but the gold standard became the Politico playbook. Mike Allen who has an obsessive uh, addiction to work and is an insomniac, would get up every morning at about 5 a.m. and write this email. 
Over time, Mike Allen left and he went to Axios where he still does writing. The playbook stuck around at Politico and a group uh, led by Jake Sherman and a few others took it over. And it kind of was a who's who in Washington. What's up? What's down? What's going on today? What's the agenda? Whose birthday is it? Who was seen at the fancy restaurant? Kind of a D.C. gossip rag. Well, those guys got fed up with Politico because they were bringing in all the money. They had all the ratings. People were going to Politico for them, not for anything else. And the, the, the bitter progressives who had taken over the newsroom were really upset about it. So they packed up and they started a new publication called Punchbowl News. It's a long way of saying I have something from Punchbowl News. But you need to know where the sourcing of this is. It, it is it is legit. They have fantastic sources. And they spend a lot of time talking to Democrats and Republicans. The problem with the Politico now that these guys have left is that it is it is that you read the Politico's daily playbook to find out what the conventional wisdom of the Democrats is. When the other guys were there who are now the Punchbowl News people, they kind of gave you the Washington conventional wisdom, Republican and Democrats. Here's what the GOP thinks. Here's what the Democrats think. They talk to everyone. Let me read you a line from their email that just hit inboxes across the political sphere a short time ago. Next year, 2022, will be all about the battle for control of Congress. House Republicans have the historic edge. The party out of power almost always wins a large number of seats. Republicans winning the House majority would lead to a massive shift in the Capitol, but also a big shift for President Joe Biden for the last two years of his first term. What's surprising to us is how many Democrats believe Republicans will win the House of Representatives. They did a survey of all the House aides for the Democratic Party, all the staffers, the legislative directors, the chiefs of staff, the press secretaries, the communications directors, the legislative aides, the legislative assistants. 76% of Democratic aides in the House of Representatives say their party will lose control of the House. In April, 36% said they would lose control of the House. That's doubled in eight months. Now, events can change things. I say that all the time. Events can change things. But the Democrats today have voted on a federal judge in the United States Senate, and they have no more agenda until after Christmas. They said they were going to do the Voting Rights Act. It's not on the agenda. They've got to get it to the floor by Tuesday to have a vote before Christmas. They're not doing it. They're not getting Build Back Better to the floor. They have no agenda. The Democrats are looking like losers even as they won. Well, the dirty little secret is they didn't really win. Republicans in Georgia lost. They talked themselves out of voting. And, they, you know, the irony here is that might have actually been a good thing because now it puts the Democrats in charge of everything and shows how incompetent they are. Americans continue to navigate through multiple crises this year. We the People, a Bradley Speaker series, offers insights and ideas on the current challenges we face from some of the remarkable organizations the Bradley Foundation supports. Visit bradleyfdn.org liberty to watch their most recent episode, which features Stephen Suckup, author of The Dictatorship of Woke Capital, How Political Correctness Captured Big Business and Encounter Books Publication. 
In this episode, Sokup discusses the left's gradual takeover of corporate America and why the free market hasn't been able to prevent it, the dangerous impact of shareholder activism, and efforts to push back on it. That's Bradley with an L-E-Y at the end and then fdn.org slash liberty to watch the videos. Bradley, fdn.org slash liberty to watch the videos. New episodes debut weekly. Go back often, subscribe to the YouTube channel, be notified whenever a new one is posted. It would help if I pushed the button and turned the microphone on. I'm a professional, I promise. <laughs> it would. I suppose I should send out more recipes. I should. Um, I, I've, I've actually been experimenting with her. I've done some pretty good stuff lately. I need to send out the bacon-wrapped shrimp recipe because I put bacon-wrapped shrimp on my Rectech, on my smoker, and they were pretty incredible. i got to admit it. Um, I, they, it was, it was something I just wanted to try and they worked out. Nonetheless, I got to move on. Democrats, it's very interesting here. Uh, and it's not just Democrats, but this is the, the focus from Politico. This is the headline. They're sick of masks. Democratic governors fight COVID fatigue. The party's defeat last month in Virginia and closer than expected victory in New Jersey has many Democrats searching for an off ramp to the pandemic that allows them to sell a brighter future to voters Next November, Democratic governors were already barreling straight into a perilous midterm election, but a building winter COVID surge is putting many of them in a greater bind. The party's defeat last month in Virginia and closer than expected victory in New Jersey has many Democrats searching for a COVID off-ramp. At the same time, attendees at the Democratic Governors Association's winter meeting in New Orleans we're nodding to voters' frustration with the enduring pandemic and its accompanying hardships as potentially more contagious variants are emerging. And some blue states have reimposed mask mandates going into the holidays. Asked in an interview about his November close call, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy attributed to a lot of folks who are frustrated, is my guess. In his most candid assessment of his three-point victory to date, Murphy said some New Jerseyans feel like government is not connecting with them, they're sick of masks, being told what to do in terms of vaccines, probably not thrilled with what they sense is going on in Washington. They may have lost a job or a business went bust or a loved one was lost. He's not wrong. Starting to get a clue. This is the president of the United States. I'm going to continue to fight those in court. Look, we have a certain when I came to office, there are only two million people have been vaccinated. Since then, we have over 200 million people who have gotten at least one dose. And I believe the number is about 156,000, over 150 million, I should say, who in fact have had, are fully vaccinated. So this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, the unvaccinated, not the vaccinated, the unvaccinated. That's the problem. And so everybody talks about freedom and not to have a, to have a shot or have a test. Well, guess what? And so how about patriotism? How about making sure that you're vaccinated so you do not spread the disease to anybody else? What about that? What's the big deal? What's the big deal of having to take a test once a week to know you can show up to work and you're not causing other people to get sick or your children at home? And what we've done now is we've now provided for vaccines available for people five years and up, five years and up. And in addition to that, we now have Pfizer has a new, it's not been approved yet, but looks very promising, a new pill, which if you take within three days of contracting COVID, you, you reduce by, I think it's so far 89% the likelihood to be hospitalized and die. And so there's a lot of progress being made. 
a lot of progress. Like I said, when I came in, there were only 2 million people who had been vaccinated. I got enough vaccine for the entire country and part of the rest of the world. And it's not that we don't, and it's free. You can show, you can just go right now, you can go to your local drugstore, walk in and get a shot. And by the way, if you haven't gotten your booster yet, Get the booster. There's overwhelming evidence that it protects you and protects you in an extreme way. That's the president of the United States talking about all of this. Uh, it's a, a pandemic of the unvaccinated. He's still using that line. If that's the case, then why must the vaccinated continue to wear masks? Why must the vaccinated continue to social distance? But also at this point, let's review Jared Polis's situation. Jared Polis, the governor of Colorado, Jared Polis said it is the vaccinated or the unvaccinated rather and the unvaccinated have made a choice not to get vaccinated there's no reason for us to shut down to wear masks to not live our lives when some people have made a choice not to get vaccinated and there's literally no reason for the rest of us to be upended now there is an irrational fear from some that the unvaccinated are going to kill us all so get vaccinated you can still get the virus from someone who is vaccinated. Twitter has announced it's going to start shutting down accounts that say that. It is a statement of fact. Echoed by the CDC, National Public Radio, the National Institutes of Health, and Joe Biden himself, it is a statement of fact. A vaccinated person can spread the virus. A vaccinated person can get the virus. A vaccinated person can spread the virus. Twitter is going to turn off accounts that say that fact. Why are we censoring the truth? In Peru, the number of people who have the the virus in Peru is skyrocketing. Peru is now one of the most vaccinated countries on the planet. Per capita, if Peru were the United States, they would have lost 2.3 million people to the virus. That's how many people died in Peru. Well, 2.3 million didn't, but if you translate the number of deaths in Peru to the United States, that's what it would have worked out to. 2.3 million people dead. As a result, Peru has not only mass natural immunity, but rushed to get everybody vaccinated. So all the people in Peru are vaccinated. Now, granted, in Peru, they're using the Chinese vaccine. Many of them, not all of them, but a lot of them are using the Chinese vaccine, Sinovax. And they're getting the Omicron variant there. There's been an alarming spike in infections in highly vaccinated Peru. But you know what the data also shows? Yes. People are not being hospitalized. They're not dying. Omicron appears to spread fast, even among the vaccinated, but it seems to be very mild. Uh, the United Nations—I'm sorry—Great uh, Britain has lost one person. One person in Great Britain has died of the Omicron variant, and that person had multiple other health problems, including cancer. Late stage at that. So, why are we living in fear of the virus? Now, to take this whole, this is why you should listen to all three hours of the program. Let's take it home to the very first segment of the very first hour. We've had a decline in people of faith in this country across the board. Number of Jews and Muslims and Christians, Buddhists, Hindu, everybody's on decline. But really, it's Christianity, the one that is declining. Now, that doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me at all. There are a lot of people. If you you show up at a church on Sunday, 
being serious here, you show up at a church on Sunday, there is a great chance that uh, a, a lot of people in the church, well, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but a number of people in that church won't be there on the day after the final day. They'll be somewhere else. There are a lot of people who say they're Christians and they're not. That's for God. But there are. And a lot of people over the last couple of years, they got out of the habit of going to church and they kind of fell away from it. People fall away. I mean, you had uh, God himself roaming the Holy Land with a group of disciples and people didn't like what he was saying and they fell away from him and he was right there with them. It happens. But when people abandon that, they oftentimes abandon hope altogether or they put their hope in foolish things. And a lot of people really fundamentally expected the vaccines to save us. They're not saving us. Some people are pushing a theory the vaccines are actually making it worse. I don't put a lot of stock in the theory after talking to a bunch of people about it. They're distorting a theory of vaccination. But nonetheless, the vaccines aren't helping us the way people thought they would. And the government, here's broken record time, the government promised COVID zero. I know, and I've got friends, I see the subtweets, some of them uh, very passive aggressively. I tell you, it's not really about control. It's about fear and their inability to get over themselves. They're like, no, it's really control. It's really control. I don't know what he's talking about. It's control. They want to control the virus, not you, and they can't control the virus. They promised you COVID zero, and we're never going to get to COVID zero. We're never going to get to COVID zero. You know what? We never got rid of the flu either. Spanish flu, that's the flu you get, except it's not nearly as bad as it was back then. COVID will do the same thing. History shows us this. It's, it's, I'm not making an obscene point or an absurd point. It's what history shows us will happen. And at this point, what we know about the Omicron variant is that it is easy to get and easy to get over. And it builds our immunity. And to me... I think that seems to be what we should want, a virus that is maybe easier to get than we want, but also easy to get over. Mild symptoms, even, and this is a big one, even for people with pre-existing conditions if they've been vaccinated. So I'll tell you guys, my family has had to take extra precautions. My wife has lung cancer. I have blood clots in my lungs. Those are two pre-existing conditions for which COVID can be fatal. And we largely shut down our house. We haven't had people over in a year other than on my front porch on Sunday nights. And even then, we had to be selective for a while on how we did it and who we invited. Could we invite people over? It was difficult. I was having to go to the grocery store, do all the grocery shopping and take all the precautions. And God forbid I bring this virus home to my wife before there was a vaccine. It was tough. We had family members die and I couldn't go to the funerals from COVID. It was tough. But you know what? We got a vaccine now. We got a vaccine. Yeah, maybe a booster. I got the booster. If you've been vac- if you've if you've been sick and then you got the vaccine, you probably don't need the booster from what doctors are saying. But isn't it time to go back to normal now? The Democratic governors 
recognize at this moment that they have a problem on their hands. The voters are exhausted. Countries like Great Britain that do not have our institutions or federalism, the prime minister there can get the queen to order the whole country to shut back down. She's got to do whatever the prime minister says. He wants the country shut back down. The queen signs the paperwork and they shut back down. They're imposing draconian lockdown measures again. Other countries around the world are doing so. China itself is locking down because China's virus or vaccine is not nearly as good as ours. But at this point, there's no stopping it. I mean, I hate to tell you now, but there's a massive surge in COVID cases in New York and in Boston. But those areas of the country are not run by Ron DeSantis, so you don't hear a lot about it. It's a real double standard. It's an impactful double standard. And the Democratic governors are starting to realize on top of everything else, on top of the crime issue, on top of the economic issue, on top of the inflation issue, they got a COVID issue as well. And they are ready to get a move on. I honestly think the day Joe Biden says no more masks on planes, by the way, they've extended that now, supposed to expire March 4th. It's going to now expire in the middle of March, allegedly. The sooner they do that, the sooner there's a symptom of return to normalcy. But here's the thing, the dirty little secret, how much of their return to normal is going to be political and not public policy? I mean, it should be based on public policy, but how much of it do you think, because I think a lot of it's going to be, oh my gosh, we got to change the conversation or we're really going to lose in November. So let's just reopen the country. But by faith, they put their faith in the science that's failing them. And a lot of Democrats have become emotionally invested in we can never go back to normal. And if Joe Biden tells them to, there's going to be hell to pay for Joe Biden. Because as much as they want the Republicans to stay on the sidelines They are convinced that the virus is going to kill them if we go back to normal, and they're going to have none of it. It's going to be a fight on the Democrats' hands, one of their own making. Now, one of the groups that's stepping up in a lot of public policy fights out there is Alliance Defending Freedom. For several years, when I practiced law, I volunteered for the Alliance Defending Freedom. It's one of the few legal nonprofits in America that really racks up wins in state court and federal court for conservatives and for Christians. Since leaving my law practice, I volunteered to speak at ADF events. I've been to their training sessions. They actually help teach lawyers and people like me on the radio how to talk plainly about complex legal issues. I'm glad to have ADF as a sponsor. I'd be encouraging you to support them anyway. I've been a longtime supporter. The Alliance Defending Freedom takes your donations and uses them to help those who can't afford lawyers hire the very best lawyers to fight for freedom from the highest court of the land all the way to the local level. ADF just recently got a matching grant. So if you donate, your gift is going to be doubled for their defense of freedom. What you do is go to adflegal.org slash Erickson. That's adflegal.org slash E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. Go donate today. Help a great organization. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson. Uh, Too late for you to call in. There's a news story out. It's on Fox News. Fox News has outdrawn CNN and MSNBC combined in all categories for 17 straight weeks as a heavily promoted CNN special failed to resonate with Americans. Fox News averaged 1.5 million viewers to finish as the only network among all the basic cable to crack the 1 million viewer plateau during the week of December 6th through 12th. Now, I need to read that sentence to you again so you understand it, and I'll put it in perspective for you. 
Fox News averaged 1.5 million viewers to finish as the only network among all of basic cable to crack the 1 million viewer plateau during the week of December 6th to 12th, meaning Fox News got more viewers than every other program or every other channel on basic cable. Hallmark Channel finished behind Fox News at number two. ESPN finished behind the Hallmark Channel at number three. Fox News finished number one among all of basic cable for 43 straight weeks among total day viewers. Now, total day viewers, that's not the demo. Advertisers care about the demo. The demo are 25 to 54-year-olds, and Fox News is doing well there as well. MSNBC and CNN can't catch up to them. And and this is what the only reason I break this up. I am really tired of the CNN, MSNBC sniping at Fox and the Fox sniping at CNN and MSNBC as if it's news. It's kids fighting each other. You know, when I was starting out in radio, I was always told, and I think it's sound advice, including in politics, that when the yappy dog who is behind you continues to yap at you from behind, you just ignore it and keep going. You're putting distance between you. And now it just seems like there is a um, there is an effort for all of the cable news outlets to be yappy dogs at each other. And it's kind of tiring because it's not really news. It's It's just taking cheap shots at each other. I just, I wish they would go on. You know, so I've been on a couple of times now, about once a week. In fact, I'm going to be on tomorrow night. There's a new network called News Nation. So News Nation, remember the Superstation WGN? It was where the Cubs games were on WGN. They've turned it into a nationwide news network called News Nation. And they've got Dan Abrams. They've got Leland Vitter, who used to be at Fox. They've got a number of hosts, some of whom were at CNN, some at MSNBC, some at Fox. And they're trying to do just play it straight news. Here's the story. Here are the facts. Here's someone who knows about the facts. No, 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 no. We're not asking you for your opinions, just the facts. It's it's actually a very refreshing approach. And I've been on it several times. I see their ratings. Their ratings are tiny, less than 100,000 people watching. But they've been going up. It gives me hope that maybe there will be a news network out there that's just the facts. Because I don't need the partisan pundits yelling at each other on, on TV. It's what I do for a living. I don't need somebody else on television to tell me what to think. I get people who call me all the time who are upset that I'm not telling you all what to think. I don't want to tell you what to think. I want to tell you how to think. I want to give you the facts so you can think. I don't want to make you think exactly like me. I'll tell you how I think, and you can agree or disagree. I don't care. But this whole indoctrination stuff among the the media space, it's getting exhausting. So I kind of appreciate the News Nation approach of here are the facts. Let's move on to the next story. If only we could have more of that in America. It's one thing I think Fox midday shows do very, very well, better than CNN, which continues to push an agenda even in the midday. So here's to News Nation's success and congratulations to Fox News. That's doing very well. They seem to know what they're doing. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution if you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business. 
First Liberty Building and Loan. Let's say you want to buy a new building or you want to refi existing debt or you want to buy a company. Basically, you see opportunity for your business to grow, but you've hit a wall with the mega banks getting financing. That's where First Liberty Building and Loan and my friends, the Frost family, come in. They solve small business financing problems better than anyone I've ever seen. They say yes, where big banks say no. It's that simple. Look, just do this. Spend 10 minutes with them. Call them, First Liberty Building and Loan. Say Eric sent you. In 10 minutes, you'll know if you're a good fit for their program. Go to firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. They help small businesses nationwide in all 50 states. Firstlibertyga.com. 